Michael. Was there. I've missed the rapture, have I? Doesn't he look like Guy Sebastian? <laughs> so uh, just turn to your name and say, uh, it's great to see you in church. It's great. It's great to have uh, Leslie here and stuff. It's good to see a few old faces and stuff. Well, I want to give you a, a simple message this morning. We won't be long. Uh, and I've entitled it Black Friday. There are many dark days since man first walked upon the earth. Corporately, there have been terrible times. The killing fields of Cambodia, the Jewish pogoms of USSR, the Nazi death camps, and the poppy-stained fields of World War I. The atomic bombs dropped on civilian populations. These were dark times, very dark, very terrible times. On a personal level, we all experience dark days. What was your dark time? The day when uh, death came, the day when cancer was the diagnosis, the day when the financial tsunami hit, or the day when divorce finally became a reality. Yesterday, as a local church, we heard of some dreadful news of a tragedy where people that are linked with us through love and faith ended up in a very horrible, terrible tragedy. There's been a death, another charge with murder, and parents live without their children. Really sad. This is a bad day. This is a black day. But somewhere, sometime, someplace, you and I will all have to face a black day, a dark day. Maybe even a dark season, a time when all seems hopeless and all seems lost and all seems too painful, a black day. Two millennia ago, there was another dark day, a Black Friday, that today we now call Good Friday. How do you go from a black day to a good day? Anybody interested in that? How do you go from the darkest time to the best of time? How do you go from Good Friday... To God's Sunday. One of the lessons that are here for us to take home, how do we process the pain, the suffering and the damage of a very broken world? So I just want to talk to you about three great R's. The first one today is the great reality. The great reality is that only Jesus, the message about Christ, explains the nature of reality. Selfishness, Sickness and suffering are real. Eastern religions say that it's just an illusion. So if anybody ever says that to you, why don't you just step very aggressively on their big toe and tell them it's an illusion. Muslims tell us it's just fate. And that's why when a tsunami hits and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people are wiped out in a terrible tragedy, the response of that great faith is that it happened. Why fight it? The humanist denies that this is the problem, but locks their car door and won't entrust their pin number to you. Only the Bible talks about the reality of sin and suffering. William Golding published a book a number of years ago that's now considered to be one of the classics of Western literature. 
It's called The Lord of the Flies. It was made into a film about the 50s and it's a pretty graphic film and it's considered to be in the top 100 books ever written in the Western world. And it tells the story of a group of 13-year-old boys which the character of Bart Simpson is based upon, a 13-year-old boy. And uh, they are suddenly marooned on an island all by themselves. They're left with no adult supervision. And they are left to develop their own culture. Now, these are private school boys. These come from the best families. They had the best education. They all talk with a plum in their mouth. They were on the choir, singing their hymns and whatever. And the story traces is how they are left together that the culture they develop isn't touched by the goodness of humanity. Who knows people can be very good? But who knows that people can be very bad? And rather than the good come out, what happens is happens in all of our societies that without Christ, out came the bad and the evil. And they became then uh, victims of terror and fear and end up committing uh, torture and atrocities and killing someone because he just looked a bit like a pig. They became barbarians, the lord of the flies. You see, something is seriously wrong with the world. Amen? For all our education, we're more educated than ever. I'm educated. <laughs> with all our science, we have more science than ever. With all our medicine, we have more medicine than ever. And it's pretty fancy. With all our technology, we have more technology than ever. But humans are still committing abominable acts against humans. We have never enjoyed higher living standards than we have today. And yet we've seemed to be lost in lower standards of behavior than ever before. Something is wrong with the world. The Bible teaches us that we are all the same and we are all to blame. The nature of humanity is we always want to blame the woman and the woman blames the snake and the snake then blames God. We always want to blame someone else. But guys, you know what's wrong with the world? I am what's wrong with the world. The moment I have a heart that is centrifugally locked upon my own self, that I have enthroned myself as God in the universe, I mean, it's a pretty bizarre perception, but the moment I do that, I become capable of all evil. I may not do all evil, but I become capable of all evil. So, friends, we are all human. Will all the humans put up their hands, please? If you didn't put up your human, I want to talk to you later. You might have been an alien that's creeped in unawares, you know, and stuff. But we're all human, aren't we? The Bible teaches us that evil originated, listen to this, listen to me, in the free will decision to choose what we think is good and what we think is evil. We reject what God says is good, what God says is evil, and we say, I'll make up my own mind. Thank you, God. That is the origination of all evil. All evil flows out of the back that I know better than God. That God says that, you know, sexuality should only be expressed between a man and a woman in the context of covenantal marriage. God, I know better than that, and I will choose to do it my way. The moment I do that, I've shifted from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of self and the kingdom of darkness. So that's where it all came from. We want to make our own decisions rather than accepting God's word, rather than accepting God's will. We want to be our own God, our own boss. Who would like to guess this morning the most 
often heard song at Australian funerals. I did it my way. And now the end is near, so I face the final curtain. My friends, I say it clear, I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I lived a life that's full, I've travelled each and every highway, and more, much more than this, I did it. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, to few to mention, it's amazing how we'll often forget what we don't want to remember. I did what I had to do, I saw it through without exemption, I planned and charted the course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it. Yes, there were times, I sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all and I stood tall and I did it. I loved, I laughed and cried. I had my fill, my share of losing. But now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing. And to think I did all that. And may I say, not in a shy way. Oh no, oh no, not me. I did it. For one is a man. What has he got? Listen to this. This is the theology of the world. For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has naught. Not. Friends, it is the truth. We are either going to say, I am nothing and I'll take God's offer of salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ. Or I'll say, I've got it. I will do it my way. So to say these things he truly feels, not the words of the one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and I did it my way. Yes, I did it my way. But that's the problem. Hello? It is the problem. It's exactly the problem. It's not that you sacrifice chickens to virgins. It's not that you're a mass killer. It's not that you run over grandmas on crosswalks. It's that you did it my way. That's the problem. Because Jesus said this, I tell you the truth that I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by my way, except through me. That's the issue. You either have to do it the Saviour's way or the selfish way. You either have to take the Sovereign's way or you've got to take the self way. And the self way is the way that leads to destruction and death. That is the great reality. But now I want to talk to you about the great reversal. See, popular thinking about God is this, that good people go to, and that bad people go to hell. That's what we think, isn't it? And we also add to that, that if you do good, then good happens to you. And if you do wrong, then bad things happen to you. Is that sort of like the general religious understanding of the world? Absolutely. It's the general understanding of most world religions, except for Christianity. Christianity is a great reversal. It turns all that upside down. Hallelujah. 
All the other religions say, if you do good to God, God will be good to you. If you do evil with your God, he's going to come and curse you. But Christianity is the great reversal of that. Because you can be bad and God can make you good. He's come to not make good people better or to make bad people good. He's come to make the dead live. Live a new life. And Black Friday suggests the reality that it's not always as it seems. What looks as darkness, death and disaster can be in God's marvellous, mysterious and almost uh, supernatural way the means of incredible breakthrough. That on the other side of Black Friday, there is a good Sunday. Even Peter could not understand that. You know, he said to his disciples, who do you think that I am? It was Peter who said, look, I think you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you've got it right, Peter. Now I'm going to tell you a secret now. I'm actually going to go and die for the sins of the world. And Peter said, God forbid that. should ever happen. It's not possible. You are the most good person that I know. You are perfect in every way. How could this happen to you? Because God blesses good people and he curses bad people. But he did not understand that the great reversal of Christianity is that he takes a cross, a symbol of the most barbaric form of suffering, and he turns it into the symbol of hope, of redemption, of lift, of the most amazing thing that ever happened. Reinhard Bonnke says that on the horizontal level, if you take away the vertical beam of the cross, you're left with the minus sign. Basic maths. Without the, horiz- without the vertical dimension in your life, you're just left with a minus sign. Everything's a loss. It's a subtraction. You lose life. You lose peace. You lose health. You lose contact with God. But you add the vertical dimension and you get the cross. The moment you add God in, he turns our minuses into a big plus sign. Hallelujah! It's a plus to be a believer, to follow Jesus. So this is a great reversal that God can come into our mess and he can take us and transform us into trophies of grace. He can come into a Chantel Humberston's life, the most amazing disaster, and turn into a mighty woman of God that's having influence on the world. You know, and we can repeat that story over and over and over again. Isn't that wonderful? There are lots of people here that weren't good. I was not good. I would have sent me to hell. But thank God, he had a better plan for me. Hallelujah. The great reality, the great reversal. And finally, I want to talk to you about the great redemption. Jesus is the guarantee, the down payment, the deposit, the pledge that we're married. He is the hand of God reaching out in friendship and it makes everything all right. We don't know how as we sit here in time, but it's going to be all right. We don't understand it, but it's going to be all right. We don't know quite how God's going to work in that divorce, in that cancer, in that death, in that tragedy. But in God, the cross tells us it's going to be all right. It doesn't matter how dark it is and how big the stone is. Because come one day, that stone rolls away and it's going to be all right. There will be a time when there will be no pain, no suffering, no regret, no disappointment, no hurt, no hate, no tears. 
Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4 talks about, and yes, God himself will come and live with his people. No longer the separation of dimension and time and space. God will live with his people. And he will be our God. And he says that he'll wipe away all our tears. And behold, he will make everything new. Hallelujah. It's going to be all right. Joy unimaginable. Joy unspeakable. It's going to be all right. No matter how hard it is. Doesn't matter how painful it is. On the other side of the veil, it's going to be all right. Wonderful. We've had a black day. We've had those incredible, but that mysterious reality that the Christian God identifies with our pain and our suffering. He didn't actually stay from heaven and says, hey, here are my rules, keep them. If you don't keep my rules, I'm going to curse you. And I'm going to trample you. And I'm going to send you away. He didn't say, I know you hurt. What he did was he came down and he actually took all the pain, all the hurt, all the disappointment. Here's the great message of the cross. It's not about change. It's about exchange. Anything that you carry today, anything at all that burdens you, whether it be a frustration, whether it be a disappointment, whether it be great sadness, whether it be grief, whether it's an illness in your body, whatever it is, I want you to know today you can give it to Jesus and he'll take it from you and you can walk out today. If you have faith and revelation, there is a life transfusion for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's life here. There's blood here. There's an incredible exchange that takes place. You can walk out today free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Freedom, liberty, no guilt, no condemnation, nothing to hold you back. Because one day he's going to make it all right. Oh, you don't get it, do you? Look, if I told you that I just went out there and I slipped a million dollars under the windscreen wipe of your car. You'd be a bit happy, wouldn't you? You don't quite have it yet, do you? It's not in your hands. And here's the deal. If you believe me, you would automatically change your emotional state right now. Where you are, the space that you're in right now, if you believe the word I was telling you, that there's a million dollars under the wiper of your car that you go out there, You'd be punching the air now, saying, hallelujah, hooray, bless you, Jesus, and stuff. Friends, I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, this word was written at great cost under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And if you'll believe this word, if you'll believe it, you're going to go, it's going to be all right. It's going to be good. Whatever it is, God has the answer. In the Lord of the Rings, that incredible philosophical show, of great deep theology, Gamji discovers Gandalf was not dead. I, really, I was really grieved when Gandalf died, facing that demon. But he lived. Fantastic. And Gamji says to Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. And he asks him this question, this question, is everything sad going to come untrue? 
is everything sad going to come untrue? The answer in Christianity is, it's going to be all right. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. It's going to be all right. Whatever the pain, whatever the scar, whatever it is on the other side of glory, it's going to be all right. And somehow it's greater for once being broken and lost. We don't fully understand that. C.S. Lewis would say of temporal suffering this, the future bliss can make up, no future bliss can make up for it. That's what critics would say. But not knowing that once heaven comes, that it will work backwards and turn every agony into glory. Hallelujah. The scars of Jesus end up being the very points of his identification. Real pain, really challenge. Trauma, truly transform. Black turn to bright. We don't have to mourn over the death of the tadpole because it springs forth as the frog. We don't cry over the seed lost in the ground because it becomes the tree. We don't despair over the sleep of the worm. We yearn to see the butterfly emerge. So we don't give up on a Black Friday. We look forward to the sunrise on Sunday, the sun's day. Resurrection reality. All things made whole. It's going to be all right. This is not quite it. I tried to search for an illustration. And uh, what I came up with is this. So it's not, it doesn't quite fit, but hopefully you'll get what I'm saying. You know, I have a lot of sympathy with Moses. Moses was called by God from a burning bush. I had this incredible experience with God as a 16-year-old homeless youth where God saved me, literally tore my life around. Amazing burning bush experience. And then later on, I felt the call of God to come and serve. And I've just found it hard work, often criticized and my motivations misunderstood. And for those who know my journey personally, I've faced an incredible amount of grief along that way. And, you know, so I really identify with Moses, trying to lead the people of God, you know, through the wilderness. And all they want to do is stone him and grumble and whatever and stuff. And, you know, Moses had this desire to be a friend of God, had glimpses of his glory and all these sorts of things. Then on one occasion, the people come to him, complaining that there's no water. And God says to him, speak to the rock and out of it will flow water. But because he was upset and caught up with the criticism and the life of the people, he repeated what had worked before. Great mistake in leadership. Great mistake. You know, what I did in one context, that worked last time, so I'll do it again and I'll do it again. But God had changed it. The first time he hit the rock, the second time he spoke to the rock. And of course, Moses wasn't to know the full reality behind that because the first time, both were a picture of Christ. So the first time he hit the rock with his staff, he's actually uh, symbolically portraying the stroke of God against the son, Jesus, 2,000 years ago and how Jesus to be crucified. But of course, the great news is, Jesus only had to be crucified once. Doesn't have to be crucified again. Now, we don't have to hit the cross. We don't have to hit Jesus. We don't have to kill him again. 
like some beliefs, uh, some systems actually kill Jesus every Sunday around the communion table. That's what they believe. We don't have to do that. All we got to speak to the cross, speak to the promises of God. That's all we have to do to receive. Speak and water flows. My preaching bad today. I'm doing my best. I've almost lost my voice. I think all we have to do is speak to the cross and stuff flows in our life. And then, but because he's had all these people in his ear, yeah, 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 all that sort of stuff, he goes up and he hits the rock the second time and God's cross with him. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know in the fullness of time that was a bad message to send. So he says this to Moses, because you have hit the rock and not heeded to my voice, you will not go into the promised land. I don't know about you, but I think Moses got ripped off. Anybody with me? Yeah, I think, what a tough deal. He didn't choose the job, led them all through that time and stuff. But let's face it, you know, God is a, he's the boss, and he did the, Moses did the wrong thing. But you know what? You go to the book of Matthew, and Jesus says, I want Peter, James, and John. We're going to go up to a place to pray. And on this hill, as they're there, Jesus is transformed, becomes translucent before them in incredible glory. And there is Moses and Elijah. And I go, glory! Isn't that amazing? That's somehow, some way, God makes it better. And it's all the better for her. God will take our mistakes. He'll take our failures. And on the other side of that veil, God works His glory in a way that we cannot understand. Amazing thing. It was Frank Sinatra who made uh, I Did It My Way, the, his basic theme song. And of course, if you know his life, it, was quite, it wasn't a happy life. Uh, they'd probably... Uh, probably describe him as manic depressive bipolar, suffered dreadfully of depression, uh, some anxiety issues and stuff. And his daughter says that probably a lot of his problems could have been solved with Prozac, which wasn't available in those days. I don't know, it's just what his daughter said and stuff. So he's a man who enjoyed not only the heights of stardom, but also the low points because it's a fickle industry. One minute you're up there, next minute they've forgotten you. And particularly in 1951... He was walking through Times Square and where he was used to having teenage girls cry out, Frankie, 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 Frankie. Now they're crying out a different name and he's walking through and doesn't matter anymore. He's no longer the, the top boy. And so he went home and he turned on the gas on his uh, oven, put his head in the stove and he tried to commit suicide. His friend later found him there, half unconscious, drags him out of the oven, wakes him up, and then he's depressed because he can't even kill himself. That's how much of a failure he feels he is. Can't even, can't even do that properly. And so he had all these things in his life, died a pretty broken, pretty angry man. So the man who made the song, I Did It My Way, his anthem in life, put something very different on his gravestone died a Catholic, and on his gravestone he put these words, the best is yet to come. See, when you're going to get to heaven, 
You're either going to have to look the holy God in the eye and say, I did it my way, or you're going to say, the best is yet to come. <laughs> there is only one way. His name is Jesus. You can believe in God, but that's not enough. Uh, in the Western world today, we've made the gospel something along these lines. Is anybody here that's finding life a real struggle and whatever? What we want you to do is take a little bit of Jesus into your life, stir him in, and he's going to make you happy. He's going to get you the best wife. He's going to make you successful. That's all like how the Christian gospel comes across these days. It is not the message of the cross. It's not the message of the cross. The real message is, is that we have an invitation to come and give up the self-life. To actually lay down the autonomy, the right to rule, the right to make our own decisions. You know, I don't make the decisions in my life. Yeah, that might sound strange, but I do not make the major decisions in my life. Hey, I choose what clothes I put on. I am dressed by me. But when it comes to what church I go to, what I do with my money where I go on holidays, how I spend my time, I have someone else telling me what to do. It's not my wife. <laughs> it's God. I have given up self-rule and I allow God to rule in my life. That is the essence of the Christian message. It's not about whether you believe in God. You know the devil believes in God. He actually he believes in the God more than I do. He's actually spoken to him face to face. He knows the Bible better than I. Believing in God is not enough. You actually have to say, God, I give up my way to do it your way. And that is the central message of Christianity and the cross. I wonder if you could bow your heads. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus. Lord, when there was no way, you made a way. Lord, when there was a terrible thick veil, on the thread of death that separated humans from your presence. Lord, you tore it from the top down at the right moment. And now, Lord, we can enter into that intimate relationship with you. Father, we can say that we know you, Lord, in the way that we would know any other person, just not as an idea, but as a living, breathing entity to whom we can talk, argue with sometimes, be challenged by, Love, adore, a real relationship. And Father, it's my prayer that every one of us in this room would have made that decision to give up the self-life, to dethrone self, and to allow you to be on the throne of our life. In Jesus' name. Just while everybody's head's bowed, if you don't know Jesus Christ in that intimate way, if you've not surrendered your self-life into the hands of a loving God, who's got good plans for you, the Bible says. Not plans to harm you, but plans to build your life, to prosper you and to give you a future. That's what the Bible says. It's not a bad deal at all. But you need to do it. Because one day, you'll have to say whether you did it his way or whether you did it your way. And if this morning you're in that place where for the first time you've heard, you've actually heard the central core message of Jesus, and you'd like to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that I would actually experience that miracle where the old way dies and the new way lives? If there's someone here this morning who would say, that's me, you're talking to me. I just feel my heart pounding. 
feel that those words were for me today, that you just preached a sermon for me, then would you be very brave? While I'm looking around, just quickly slip up your hand. I'll see it. We'll pray with you. We're not asking anyone to come out the front with an intention to embarrass you in any way. But this is how we make Easter real. By knowing that He's come to change and exchange our pain and our hurt to Him. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to look over one more time. If that's you, just want to be patient. Father, I pray for every man, woman, and younger person in this building today. Lord, I pray that the pain that they've felt, the dark seasons that they've experienced, Lord, that, Father, you turn the light of revelation onto that, knowing, dear God, that one day, somehow, you're going to make it all right. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We do have a ecumenical service on uh, Sunday at 6.30am at Minnewarra Park. I know that's early, but we'd love you to come and support Pastor David Humberston as he preaches and uh, celebrate as the sun comes up. 2,000 years ago, that's what they used to all do. And so for 2,000 years, the church around the world has got up to watch the sun come up on Easter Sunday. So you're invited to come. Then we have our normal service at 10 a.m. And I wonder if could we have the band up, maybe sing Happy Day. It's happy Day. It's a happy day because God takes a black day and he turns it into a happy day. Are you ready to rejoice? Ready to lift your voices? Praise God. Go easy on the chocolate.